Hey everyone, this is Phil and Lola of the Capes and Lunatics podcast. You're listening to Into the Night, the the Moon Knight podcast. Yes, welcome back, Looney listeners. You are listening to Into the Night, the Moon Knight podcast. This is episode 263, and you are with your hypersecontu Ray today. And uh, the Aussie flavor continues uh, because with this waning crescent up in the moon, up in the night sky, sorry, there, it is a Lunapic classic run review. And uh, we'll be looking at Moon Knight 26 by Doug Mensch and Bill Sinkevich. And returning to the show is none other than Andrew. Why not? Sure. Hello, Andrew. Why not indeed? <laughs> <laughs> um, Andrew, for those of you that haven't heard, he was uh, on earlier in the week on the Idle Chat, just kind of doing a recap on all the glorious Moon Knight stuff that we've been blessed with. Praise Conchu, TV show, comic books, merchandise, toys. It's all there. Have a listen if you haven't already. Uh, a big thank you to our sponsors, of course, all our Patroonies. A huge thank you to each and every one of you. Uh, it really does help the show. Looking forward to improving the show with maybe some, I don't know, new bells and whistles, new platforms, things to do. We've already included our live streaming, which uh, which will happen every new comic book review. So, um, you know, always up for something new. I try to shake it up a bit. Uh, also, as well, Drew Toombs, a big thank you, a top-tier Petruni, Daniel Doing, another top-tier Petruni, CLZ Comics and Dreamland Comics from Schoenberg, Illinois. Um, so, Andrew, uh, thank you for joining us again. We have one of your favourites, as mentioned. It is Moon Knight Volume yep. 1, 26. Now, we haven't discussed this, so I just want to know what you reckon we can do. There are two stories in this. Um, there's the main story, Hit, hit It's, and mm-hmm. also the cabbie killer. Um, do you have any preference of how we do this, Andrew? We can we can go through both of them, like 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 as a, a an official, so to speak, review, or we can we can concentrate on hit it and then just kind of talk about briefly the cabbie killer. I mean, I'm happy to do either or. I think um, the cabbie killer is a fairly straightforward Moon Knight story. Um, so, yeah. like, I think. Because of how different hit it is to a lot of other stories, I think that's probably the the way we should focus. I think I think it's it's okay. probably a lot more discussion to be had in that one. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so um, I will read the the credits here, Andrew. Again, I haven't pre-planned this with you. Um, would you be so kind? Have you got the prom sheet to read mm-hmm. uh, the bare bones when we get up to it? Um, okay. Yeah, so sure. Moon Knight Volume One Issue Twenty Six release. I'm going to say December. I've got August here, but Marvel fandom always chop and change, and I think it's December 1982 that was actually released. Uh, it's called Hit It, as mentioned. Writer Doug Mensch, penciler Bill Sinkevich, and he also inks it. Colorist Christy Skeel, uh, letterer Joe Rosen, and editor Denny O'Neill. Now, this is available in floppy format, which, Andrew, I'm sure you have a copy. You must have, like, 20 copies. Right, right? in front of me. <laughs> there, 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 there it is. Uh, for those with video, uh, Andrew's reading off the floppy. I'm reading it off digital. It's also available on Marvel Unlimited. 
and it is also available in trade format. So currently the Epic Collection Volume 3, Final Rest, and actually the front cover of the Epic Collection is of Hit It, the issue, uh, and you can read it there. Um, but also as well, coming out in May, May the 10th of this year, as per Amazon, uh, the Moon Knight Omnibus Volume 2, that will include Hit It as well. So you can wait and, and buy that to have as your collection. Um, but yeah. Uh, now, as always, uh, loonies, what we'll do, we'll go through a bare bones or a synopsis. Uh, this one erroneously says there, Andrew, Comic Vine, it isn't. I, uh, that was not sufficient, so I wrote something myself. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, Excellent. So we've got a little, a little synopsis from Hit It. Uh, and then Andrew and I will just go through uh, potentially any key moments that we thought uh, were, you know, the crux of the issue, uh, as well as anything to do with writing, art, themes, characterizations, or references. And we'll cap it off with a rating, Andrew. So only the one rating system. I know, yeah, last time mm-hmm. we were here, you we had two rating systems. I've culled it again. There's only one yep. from the Connoisseur's rating system. So, um, having said all that, Andrew, would you be so kind as to give us the bare bones? Certainly. So, uh, an unnamed man reads some disturbing news in obituaries and begins a path of terror to the funeral parlour. Anyone and everyone in his way is battered, bruised and bleeding, and the violence doesn't end even at the destination. The man beats on the priest there who is giving a service for the recently deceased. It is revealed to be the man's father, a father who piled abuse on the man all throughout his life. It's breaking point and the man can't help but feel cheated. Cheated for not being able to exact vengeance on his own father for inflicting the cruelty of his childhood. Moon Knight catches up with the man after following the trail of blood and the man goads Moon Knight, then almost pleads for the fist of Contra to hit him. Not wanting to, Moon Knight finally relents, having to defend himself from the man's onslaught towards him. The man is beaten unconscious and Moon Knight is left with an awful feeling in his gut a feeling produced from the not being able to show the necessary restraint. Yes, um, so that pretty much encapsulates the the issue. I mean, but there's so much more in there, Andrew, as well. Uh, first impressions. I mean, I know it's your favourite, but uh, <laughs> I guess why? Why is it your favourite then? And um, what, what made it kind of resonate for you? I think um, having read, you know, reading from number one to say 25 of these issues the um up until that a certain point it's it's the bill sinkevich doing neil adams in a way like he i mean as much as i love bill sinkevich is my favorite artist of all time and i love i do love the art but there was just if you didn't if you didn't know who bill sinkevich was and you get to issue 26 and you see this it is such a a vast difference to the other issues and that just this one where it's it's the style that he goes on to use in things like um in his new or the stuff that he used in his new mutants run um and the it's just it's beautiful I, there's just it's i'm trying to find words to put it into um but it just blew my mind in the the way that you know the the story is almost written like a poem the the art is it's not what you expect and there's pictures of you know there's louis armstrong and there's uh led zeppelin and it's it's just beautiful and it's sort of mm-hmm. so it's sort of when i got to it it just it blew me away and this was the i think one of those times where you read it and you go this is what comics this is what comics differs from any other medium in that you can do something like this it doesn't take away it actually adds to the story rather than if you'd made a movie where you cut the clips of led zeppelin or louis armstrong playing a trumpet 
for no real reason other than it sort of just because it just doesn't work. But in this, you have them as sort of background players and you can almost hear the music playing through it. Mm, oh, absolutely. I think, yeah, I totally, totally, totally agree with you um, here. One of the the main things to to glean from this issue is just this phenomenal artwork from Bill Sienkiewicz as well. And I can only imagine, as you said, Andrew, um, to be following it like back in the day, in the 80s, and then you know, waiting month after month and then come across issue 26 and, oh, okay. But not only that as well, it's such an, such an unexpected tale from Doug Mensch. I mean, I'm, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm no authority on it as well, but it, it's, it's really kind of, it feels like it's encroaching into an area that's largely really not, um, discussed in, in comic books. You know, we're talking about really kind of heavy, heavy issues um and it's just it kind of came out of nowhere as well we know mm. a lot of the the previous issues to some extent were very much comic booky or very kind of pulpy in the adventures and um you get uh, over the top characters like blacksmith um as mm-hmm. well you have bushman at, at, at the beginning this one um the the villain so to speak is not really a villain i mean he does a lot of bad but there's a lot of reason Mm-hmm. behind that as well a lot of baggage that he carries so it was such a um unexpected tale i think and that coupled with these this amazing art i mean listeners would be well aware of that double page splash of moon Knight just um flying through the air uh just just kind yep. of hurdling over rooftop kind of chimneys and stuff um and with the i love this he, he sinkevich uses it a lot uh you know, the washing on the line, it, it mm-hmm. gives that kind of really, not ghetto, but, you know, it, it creates a vibe where Moon Knight is. It, nothing's as sparkly clean yeah. as, you know, Spider-Man swinging through New York City and it's all kind of bright lights and stuff. This is like really, we're looking at another side of the city and Moon Knight's very much, very much part of that. Yeah, yeah um, it's, it's, it's the grittiness, it's the street level, it's, it's you know, we, we always talk about Moonlight as a street level character and this is showing that you know he fights for the the little guy the 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 poorest side of new york where you have you know the upper side upper class in one point and then you get to this point where it's it's the you know like you said not the slums but it's the you know it's what you think of when you think of some of the old um like west side story and things like that the old uh, mm, back alleys yeah. of new york yeah. and you can you know you can you you picture the washing and you can have the smells of the cooking and it all sort of comes across as you can you're almost living in these pages the way Sinkevich draws them yeah i mean as well testament to i'm just looking of course uh christy skill as well colorist i mean that plays a, a, a part as well and mm-hmm. and she does add that kind of vibe to Sinkevich's inks and he's and and i think like it's, it's his inks. Sienkiewicz's inks are, are just fantastic. With yeah. you mentioned um, in our idle chat previously about Capuccio and that sketchiness and you know the line work. Uh, this is very much Sienkiewicz, um and his style, and it's very, it's such a departure I think from the other comic like Marvel comics, maybe DC mm. comics of the of the day. Um, so the only thing I'm thinking of is uh, the Spectre. John Ostrander and yeah, um, yep. the Mandrake art. That art yep. was very, I mean, that was, I think that was the 80s as well. That was kind of very dark mm. and had this particular tone. Sienkiewicz and Mensch 
definitely creating their own world here. Um, now, also with this story, I mean, one of the other key points, apart from the art, which um, we already touched upon, uh, this let's talk about the antagonist, not the antagonist, mm-hmm. the, the the villain. Uh, he is large. Well, he is unnamed. I mean, in the synopsis, we've just called him the man. Um, comes out of nowhere. I guess he works the graveyard shift somewhere, and he sees the obituary. There, there are a little um, suspensions of disbelief. You have to kind of go with it. I mean, it's just yeah. a bit odd. This guy's just reading the paper, and he snaps. It's almost like falling down. Um, then he just yeah. goes on a rampage. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you go yep. with it anyway. That's you know by the by. Yeah. But um, yeah. W- what did you make of of this guy? Um, complete with um utter violence but also massive sympathy for him i mean he he been abused and and the way it's depicted in the art is fantastic yeah and it's it's like you said like it's hard to think of him as a villain when you know that sort of situation and probably the situation he grew up in he probably only all he knows is violence and that's how you treat someone and the the way he's just running through new york punching people in the head to get out of his way is sort of you know well it's hard to it's hard to sympathize for him until you find out why when he gets to the the uh, church and it's very hard to you know you think you know okay we don't we don't know the story but he's just running around punching people he probably deserves moon knight to give him a bit of a smack um but then when you find out why and even moon knight sort of goes no no he's been through enough i think you know we're gonna let him leave him alone and you, you get you get that you feel for the guy because it's not his fault that what happened to him as a kid but He's also, you know, he runs up and punches Moon Knight in the back of the head, which, you know, of course, (laughs) (laughs) you're going to get a bit of a a butt kicking for that now. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Uh, There were a little, I mean, the overall tone was was quite heavy and quite serious. Mm. I mean, there were a little, some comical things I did see, um, whether they were meant to be comical or not. I mean, when he goes on the rampage, there's a guy, I think he throws him through a shop front window and he's just like slumped over the broken glass. I thought, geez, this guy is really going to town. Like, yeah. He's not just beating people. He's thrown a guy through a shop window, yep. which is, um, pretty, pretty extreme. Um, oh, yeah. but yeah, he, he's got, yeah, his violence is, is, um, just relentless. And I, I loved, I mean, going back to the art, um, and it's on the front cover as well, which we should have talked about the front cover too, mm-hmm. but it, it's there for all to see this childlike drawing, um, and, and that kind of speaks volumes about what's happened. I mean, it's a, it's a child's picture of himself being beaten, essentially, by yep. his dad. Um, and that's, I mean, in, in themes, I've got as, I mean, that is the main, the main theme, I guess, how, how the abused can potentially become the abuser in this case. Um, but yeah, they, you feel sorry for the guy because he had all this kind of, he suffered a lot and he had all this hatred he built up for his father, but he doesn't get to, get to have any closure because his Mm. dad dies before he can actually, I don't know, he wants, I think he wanted to beat the hell out of his dad, you know, but like, um, in some way he didn't, he didn't get that closure. He didn't get, you know, some people would probably, um, say go up to their father and, and talk it out and, and try to resolve the situation he, he didn't get any of that because he felt cheated that his dad died early um so you've got a feel for him in that sense um but yeah it's um it's quite quite strong stuff i think for a apparently a, a kid's comic book 
<laughs> yeah, the, <laughs> the you know the, the funny books for kids. You know, it's a it's a it's a pretty uh, dark topic, but it, it it always makes me uh, wonder too with the um like the cover and the the kids drawings through it. When you've got someone like Bill Sienkiewicz, how hard must it be for them to draw in a kid's style mm. when you know, you must look yeah. at it and go, God, I hate doing this. <laughs> it must be awful. The, <laughs> the weird, weird body shapes. And like you look at the hand on the cover and it's got just the round fingers that kids draw and it must be so yeah. just difficult to actually do instead of going, oh, actually, hang on, I need to draw a bit more detail on the fingers and I need to stretch this yeah. out and do that. And, yeah, it must be so hard for them. Well, well I, I do wonder, actually, and, and look, I, there's nothing wrong with it and I, I don't want to, you know, cast wrong aspersions towards Bill Sienkiewicz as well but um, I was um, in in the Spider-Woman podcast that I do to know her is to fear her we had the um, the, the great honor of being able to chat with Carla Pacheco and Pera Perret who's the artist and there's a, an issue in Spider-Woman where it's, it's similar to that there's like a childhood kind of drawing and Pera admitted look I couldn't do it he said it's too difficult being an artist because I'm so used to the details he got his wife to draw it. So I just, yeah, it is because, because it, it, it looks authentic and, um, taking nothing away from Bill Sienkiewicz, of course, because he is the maestro. I wonder if Bill perhaps, you know, either asked, uh, his partner or, or someone to say, look, could you give it a go? Because it really, to me, it looks really authentic. And, and I think that's mm. a testament. If he, if he did draw it, then absolutely full credit props to Bill because it's, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's harder than it looks, you know, for for artists to be able to, to I don't know, regress and draw like that yeah, simple. I think sure. it's very difficult for them. Yeah. Yeah. But definitely. very powerful. Yeah. I mean, very powerful stuff. I mean, it's featured um, once he reaches the funeral parlor. I think even before then as well. I haven't got the, the issue in front of me, but um, as he goes on his rampage, you see that childhood drawing. Um, yep. So you very much get a sense of what's happened to him. Um, but, yeah. Uh, also, one of the other points I've got here as a key moment I found interesting was the priest's response uh, to to Moon Knight. Um, and I felt that was kind of like a commentary on, I guess, society as a whole, um, just going for potentially a solution that's not right for the individual um so we get in the comic book issue um um, the man is is hitting moon knight and the priest who has been beaten by this man shouts at moon knight what are you doing you're moon knight beat him like hit him hit him you know yeah and it's it's quite it's quite shocking because number one he's a priest um you know but number two you can kind of understand because he's been beaten up himself but we know as a reader that that is not the right it's not the right answer. Moon Knight knows that's not the right answer as well. Yeah. And I feel like, like he was kind of symbolic of, of how society, um, I guess either, um, is ignorant of or, or doesn't pay enough attention to, to this sort of stuff. Um, you know, the, these heavy issues. So yeah, I, I don't know about your thoughts on it as well, but I just thought it stuck out for me. Yeah. It, um, it's, and Moon Knight has the right idea where he's saying, you know, no, nah, I'm not going to hit him. It's it's not, you know, it's not right. And it's it's that all this guy knows is violence. And so if you treat him in the same manner, well, he, he's just going to go out and do it again or he's just going to go and attack somebody else. And 
Whereas Moon Knight was like, no, I'm not going to touch him. Leave him alone. This isn't the right. This, we can sort this out a different way. Is sort of probably the best approach to it. And unfortunately, the, the man just doesn't give him a choice in the end. He has to sort him out. And as much as Moon Knight doesn't want to do it, he has to knock him out. Otherwise, this guy's just going to keep coming. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think the tension is created in the comic, not not with the actual conflict of Moon Knight going up against this guy, because you know, let's be honest. And and it only just took one punch for Moon Knight to just beat this guy. I mean, it's not like he's going up against Count Nefaria or you know, or um, he's, he's going up against Kang. It's a, a normal guy. So I think that the tension doesn't arise from that, but it does arise from what do you do in this situation? And and again, mm. the the subject matter is quite um uncomfortable. I mean, Moon Knight is quite uncomfortable with it as well because he all he knows, well, not all he knows, but Moon Knight is. Is a weapon. He's built to mm. to fight um, and stuff. So he's put into this predicament. And as you say, he does try to do the right thing. And he unfortunately resorts to violence to end it because there's no other way to it. But I love yep. the ending because it's it's. Um, I don't know about you, but it was such a like um, off-putting end ending. It, it didn't feel right, you know, and it, mm-hmm. it just left you with a like a, a bad taste like in your mouth because it's kind of like oh well. You know that's what he had to do, but it's not the it's not the best solution to this thing. Yeah, I think the dark subject matter. I think if you'd ended it on a happy ending, I don't think the story would have had as much of an impact as it does. If you'd left it mm. with him, you know, walking with his arm around the guy out of the church, I just don't think it would have. It doesn't show that sometimes there is no solution for people like this. There's there's no helping someone at this point. You know, we can get him help later, but at this point. There isn't, we don't have a choice. Moon Knight doesn't have a choice in, he has to knock the guy out. So, and it breaks Moon Knight's heart to do it too. The way he walks off at the end, he's sort of like, you know, I, I didn't want to do this. This isn't who I am. I don't want to be like this as well. And it's, I'm sure he sees some similarities in himself as well at certain points in his life. Yeah, true, true. Um, the added complexity also, I just got reminded with another one of the points I see here in the prop sheet. Uh, the guy also says he actually implores, begs Moon Knight to actually hit him. Um, so mm. you know we're going a de- deep dive here, Andrew. We're getting right into the psychology of things. Um, yeah, I mean that again adds another layer to the guy and the, I guess, the tragedy of the guy because that's all he knows. Uh, so that explains why he's doing what he does. But there's almost a gratification for actually getting hit, uh, and mm. you can go into you know, you can go into that, you know, psych 101 or, or whatever about like, <laughs> you know, being, being comfortable. Yeah. I mean, it's terrible. It's a terrible subject matter, but yeah, but being comfortable, like being beaten up by your father or whoever, um, and just getting used to that. And, and it, it reminded me kind of, I mean, totally different, but it reminded me of, you know, the soldiers that, that come home after a war and they still like sleep on the ground or whatever because they just can't get used to society. Yeah. Um, and this is kind of similar. I mean, that's all he knows. And it, it's a sad thing, um, that he actually gets some sort of peace out of getting hit. Uh, so, um, again, uh, Mensch does that with, with a great economy of, of dialogue. I mean, he only utters that once, but you kind of get the whole sense of it. So, um, again, the writing is, is, I think, superb. Um, very lyrical, as you say. I mean, we didn't even talk about the beginning where there was that flurry of like hit it, 
you, you know, yeah. the, the opening, which I thought was, you know, a, quite a neat little gimmick as well. But um, mm. you have all, all these different hit it kind of, um, what am I saying? All the different meanings to the term hit it as well. So um, interesting from, from Mensch. Yeah. And like, you know, showing that, you know, there's the baseball, there's the, you know, we've got to, we've got to leave, let's hit it. Or the music saying, oh, hit it. And we start the music and it just, yeah, it's, it's such a, I, like I said at the start, like there's just something about this is when people talk about, you know, if someone said to you, oh, well, what I, I know comics from, I read Archie comics or I read this or, and so, you know, show me how the comic medium, you know, show me how they can do something different. This would be something I'd show them and just to say, look, you know, when you're reading up until the point where the guy, the man leaves the, his work, it's almost like a poem the way it reads and it, it flows and even the dialogue flows like music and the art is all is in different spots. But it, it's not like a splash page where, okay, I've read to here. I'm not sure where I need to read to next. It Everything just sort of flows and it, it has like a, like a like mu- a musical you know like when people draw music in comics and it has a bit of a wave to it it just feels like that and it's it just feels so lyrical and it, yeah it just plays so well yeah i mean that's one of the descriptions um i've given to mench's writing time and time again throughout this podcast like ly- a lyrical poetic quality to it mm. um so i'm just going to have a look i'm just looking at the first page now again like the art is just crazy uh sinkevich loves using I think it's almost like dripping ink and and splashes. I don't know what the effect yep. is of that, but he, he uses that to great effect. I mean, he's done that since issue one, but um, the layouts that he does here, just by, um, you know, adding in these musicians, you've got the, the drummer with this kinetic use of his drumsticks. Uh, and look, I'm just going to read the first few bits of this because it's just really cool. Um, so the comic opens up with, first there is black, then there is light and all the colours of jazz. And there is sound in these colours. A wailing trumpet drips cool violet, threaded with smoke. Heavy blue lumbers from the bass, while the clarinet tempts and tantalises in hot pink counterpoint. So he's, um, it's really, he's fusing kind of the senses there as well. Um, mm-hmm. you know, adding, adding colour, uh, th- there's an actual, um, condition called synesthesia where mm-hmm. people who listen to music actually see colours. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of some of the classical composers uh, ha- had this as well. I know uh, Russian composer Rimsky-Korsakov saw, I think he saw like an aqua blue with uh, the key of D major. It was very mm-hmm. kind of... Cool. Um, yeah, so so uh, we get a little bit of this telling from Mensch, and as a reader, you can kind of visualise that in your mind's eye, but also on the page, of course, um, Skiel has added these colours for you. Uh, yeah. Then it goes... This thing. The drum beats blood red. Um, and then there are just some, as you mentioned, baseball, hit it, hit, hit it. All right. That's, that's, uh, the finish, hit it. And there's a lady there. Uh, don't fiddle with it, Edna, hit it. Talking about the, the radio, trying to get that to work. Uh, and some demolition guys. All right. Len- uh, Lenny, the area's cleared, hit it. Uh, double meanings sometimes multiply. But even as a trumpet screams through the night, the drum still beats blood red. My God, that's ominous, Andrew. Oh, yeah. It's just, it's amazing. And having that red moon in that last panel on there too, it just, it it, mm. it, it's, it feels like a, 
like an old film noir as well, the way it's written and the way mm. you could hear that as a voiceover as you travel through a, a town like that with the jazz playing. You can just hear it. You can. It's such a – it's a cinematic issue too. It just – it works so well. Yeah. I just – I get those – 50s noir feels about it as well you know the, the old detective movies and it just it, yeah I, I like i said it's just it blows my mind how good this one actually is it just you know you it's in the middle of a run too it just it comes out of nowhere yeah, and it just yeah. you know it blows you away yeah and it's one of those things as well i mean there's there's also always talk with loonies about um, you know, the rogues gallery of Moon Knight and, you know, how there should be more or, or whatever. Um, there are a lot of gems that Mensch does like this where there isn't like a villain. It's just like mm. a one-off um, and, and this guy and he's like, you know, if there was a, a hierarchy of villains or supervillains, like he's at the totally bottom of it. Yeah. Like he's not even, yeah. like he's not a megalomaniac, he's nothing like that. He's just really a, a confused guy. Um, but Mensch does like um these sorts of villains like they're not over the top uh they're they're just, even like you know midnight man uh from the mm. beginning um the early issues there's nothing really t- much to him he dresses he's got a cape and he steals stuff he steals art he's not yeah. he's not flush he's not flashy at all um so i think that's what mensch does best uh, when he tries to start to make tries to start I, I'm, I'm saying that as well, but I've, I've got this issue in my mind, but it's not even Mensch writing it, so that actually nullifies. It. I was about to say Blacksmith. He was a pretty, mm-hmm. let's face it, he's a bit of a bit of crappy villain, but um, that wasn't <laughs> even him. But yeah, no, it's it just yeah. Sorry, just the writing is is fantastic. So uh, I don't know any other final final thoughts on on hit it, uh, Andrew. Um, look, this is as we said at the start. This is my single favorite issue of moon Knight, and it's it's more just based on that first story i mean the second story is is fine it's a bit of fun it's it's silly it's goofy but it's but just this and i remember reading i think it's in about issue 28 there's a letter in it from doug and bill and it's saying that 28 would be bill's last issue on the comic because he did 26 and said that's it i can't top myself on this book i've done oh i've done what i need to do so i I'm out. Like he sort of, you know, got out while he was on top. And it's sort of, this is, you can see why, like he's done something like this. I'm not, I'd love to know how well it was received back then. I'd love to go back and, you know, see people picking it up at the newsstand, whether they hated it or whether it was, you know, absolutely loved. Like it's hard to tell now because there's not, again, with Moon Knight, you know, he's not a Spider-Man, but there's just something about this issue that I think would have, it would have polarized a lot of fans back then. Yeah, um, yeah, I think so as well. I, I, you're right. I think as much as I loathe to think of it, I mean, because I, I love this issue as well, but I, I think there would be some readers out there that probably wouldn't wouldn't really like it as well. Like, mm. It would be polarizing because cause it is so different. And if you really do or expect the standard comic book fair, you're not going to get it in this one. Um, you're not going to get a mm. big showdown. You're not going to get flashy effects and flashy gadgets you know moon Knight doesn't even doesn't even take out his truncheon or, or crescent darts no. in this um he does he does in the the backup story but um yeah it's just such a different a different tale so um yeah i mean out of the the con issue rating system andrew uh, let me have a look at you... it where are we yes um 
Gee, I think because it's my favourite issue, it has to be. <laughs> it has to be a ten. <laughs> Am I looking at the right spot here? You <laughs> yeah. are. Yep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It has to be a ten. It, it, yep. <laughs> The big, the big fuck off moon. Uh, so yep. Andrew's, Andrew's given it the full caliber. There you go, ten out of ten. Uh, rightly so. I mean that, that's great. We'll, we'll get to the, the backup story as well because it does make up a part of the hmm. issue, of course. Um, but ten out of ten for hit it, fantastic. Oh look, I gave it a, a solid eight out of ten. I really did enjoy it. Um, uh, it, it's, I think, I, I think I gave out a ten, eight out of, out of ten for issue twenty six as a whole. So. Um, mm. you know, that's taking into account the cabbie driver as well. But it, this is yeah, the course. art for me, it steals the show. Um, yeah. but you can't, you can't discount Mensch's writing in it. It's it just really, really well done for something that is basically a very simple premise. I mean, the guy goes down the street, beats up people, ends up at a funeral. Um, parlor, Moon Knight beats him. <laughs> and that's it. yeah, it's pretty much but it, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but there's so much that goes on, uh, and there's so much that's underlying. So, uh, so there you go, loonies. Uh, that is hit at the front, uh, the first story. Um, now, Cabby Killer Andrew, as well. Uh, look, we don't have to go through a synopsis. Uh, it is there. I can put it in the show notes if people want to read it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, essentially, this was a. A strange one. Um, let's get the credits here. Uh, Denny O'Neill, so it's not Doug Mensch. And then we have Keith Pollard on pencils and inks. Uh, Chrissy Skill again, letterer Janice Chang, and an editor, Denny O'Neill. So he, he helms it as well as writes it. Uh, essentially, Andrew, oh, are you able to, to summarize in, in a couple of sentences what this is about or? Yeah, it's, it's, it starts with someone uh, blowing up a cab with a rocket launcher and Moon Knight finds out that someone is targeting cabs for some reason. He he goes to a very strange card game in the middle of a crypt um, <laughs> and finds out the information he needs that someone – it was uh, – what did they put in there? It's Comod- a – oh, yeah, some kind of tape and then this Commodore Step. Planet guy, which is <laughs> – yeah, it. I think the yeah. thing on with this story, it's yeah. So he and he takes out the villain, and you know we, you know, we lives to fight another day. And I think the, the thing that made me laugh about this though is that there's the start of it where a dog runs out in front of the cab, and he stops, and so the rocket hits another yeah. car, and then also yeah. when he's at the crypt, Crowley just happens to be there as well, which wasn't set up. It's there's a lot of luck involved well, in this issue in this story. Oh uh, well, actually. Well, I mean, actually, I mean, the dog, totally, yeah, but um, Crawley is one of the main things I, I really did dig about this um, this issue because uh, it, it's, well, Mark mentions that Crawley was the one that tipped him off to this poker game in the cemetery. Yeah. Um, so uh, Crawley, and Crawley is acting as a hired help for these goons. As, I, I don't, number one, I don't know why you'd employ a raggedy, wiry guy you know um beset with flies as your muscle i mean he's hardly muscle but anyway um i I actually thought that was quite nifty actually having crawley there uh because it was like oh yeah that makes sense because crawley tipped mark because i found it a bit weird that mark oh yeah there's a poker game in the cemetery i know about this yeah yeah but i I think that's where the writing could have kicked in 
bit more, a bit of a mm. maybe just a phone call, a panel with a phone call of of Crawley saying, "Hey, I'm this is yes. poker game yes. if you need info, you know, just something like that." Because it was just when you're reading yep. it, and you sort of go, "Oh, that's convenient." <laughs> you know, yeah. he's already yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, oh, I do love the fact that Mark um, doesn't want to blow Crawley's cover. You know, it's kind of that trophy yep. thing, and says, "What do I do if I?" If I um, don't get Crawley, they'll kind of be suspicious of him and, you know, he can't shoot me. Uh, But Crawley ends up shooting wide of the mark and Mark basically punches his lights out, but just checks his breathing. Of course. Yeah. 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 I was there when I knocked my friends out too. (laughs) (laughs) And and then after knocking them out, he says in a a thought bubble, um, I owe you one, Crawley. It's like, uh, yeah. <laughs> you do. I mean, yeah, big <laughs> you time. Punch him out. <laughs> um, but this was, this was such a contrast to hit it actually, because <laughs> you get this over the top OTT villain in Commodore Planet is a almost <laughs> a, a kingpin like guy dressed up as a, a Commodore, like complete with yeah. shoulders. Looks like he's off the love boat. It's, yeah, exactly. Um, I when I first read this like ages ago, I was actually going, "This this guy's cool." Like, I I want to see more of Commodore Planet. Um, yeah. but you know, reading it again, he's really ugh, a bit of a nothing villain. <laughs> um, his modus operandi of look, the cassette has got to be in one of the cabs. I'm just going to blow up all the cabs in New York yeah. City. Um. That's it's pretty out there, um, and with a bazooka, you know. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, of, of all things, um, it could have been a little bit more stealthy. Could have like planted bombs, but hey, no, let's get the bazooka happening. Yeah, of uh, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> what did what did you make of uh, Commodore Planet? He he actually had superpowers as well. Yeah, he was some test medical tests or something done on him to give him his super strength and. <laughs> Was it Moon like whacks him across the ears at one point to break his eardrums? He goes, "Oh, you found my only weakness." It's like, oh, okay. That was hilarious. <laughs> I, I thought the, the dialogue was a little bit to be desired. It was very um, elementary by today's standards. I mean, yeah, like who who says that? Like, oh damn you! You found the only thing that actually could thwart me. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was it was, just, it was a bit um, mustache twirling. That's what I'm, yep. I'm thinking of. Yeah. But um, it's an interesting premise. I mean, it's a great way to introduce Jake Lockley. I mean, he almost died, as you said. If it wasn't for that dog, you know, MVP dog. Yeah, exactly. If the dog wasn't there, he'd be dead. Um, but Zilko was the other guy. Zilko was the name of the guy that employed uh, Commodore Planet. I, w- I want to know more about Commodore Planet, um, yeah. Andrew. we got to find a way to get deal? him back. Someone's got to bring him in. <laughs> um but what do you what would you give this then uh with you know having read it mm. um i don't know immediately after hit it or actually taking it as a separate thing altogether i think the problem is is that it follows hit it i think that's the you know the the biggest problem it's like you know really? it'd be like coming from um <laughs> Turning up to, to, to headline your gig, your music gig, and you you have to follow um, the Beatles. Unfortunately, yeah. you know it's yeah, like that. Like, yeah, it's, yeah. how can you top it? Like, it's 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 a fine story. It feels like a bit of filler. It feels like that Doug Munch yeah. handed in, hit it with the art, and they went, "Well, we need something. We need to put something yeah. in there." Oh, it's it's fine. It's probably about a five, I think, overall. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it just sort of sits right in that middle. 
where it's not it's yeah. not an, it's not offensive. It doesn't hurt, but it's it's not a story that you know. If I was going to read this issue again, I'd probably just stop after I finish hit it. Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, look, you know, uh, exactly. It's not offensive. That's the the main thing. Um, I'm just looking at. It. I, I actually like Keith Pollard's art. I think mm-hmm. the art. I mean, again, you're 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 the the um support act to the Beatles here with Sinkevich. Yeah, um, unfortunately, but the art. But the art is great. I mean, look, it's good. It, it's really. I think the the amount of detail it's very um I wouldn't say house it's almost got like a there's a little bit of an underground vibe to it um art art wise uh, I don't know in some instances uh just the way that it's inked I'm I'm looking at the second page where the bazooka blows up the car next to the cab um it's just has a different little vibe to it Moon Knight is drawn I think very well um, we see yeah. the moon copter, a bit dodgy. Uh, but Moon Knight, yeah, I think Moon Knight's inked really well. I mean, because again, Christy Skeel as well, but black, white, and he's got the blue kind of highlights. Um, mm. makes him look really cool. Um, yeah, I think my my only the only the only funny panel is the uh when Mark's getting out of the pool and he looks like he's wearing one of uh, Marlena's bathing suits instead of. Proper speedo. <laughs> yeah, I think it's uh, it's it's wedged up the crack there. Um, yep. You know, maybe a size too small for Mark. Who knows? Uh, uh, interesting call out as well. I mean, if we're talking about the early early days of DID slash multiple personnel personality back in the day. Um, so Stephen actively, oh sorry, Jake actively turns into Stephen. Here. So mm-hmm. again, we get more of a sense that it's just role play that Mark Spector is putting on, rather than yeah. an actual mental mental illness. Um, so it's really one of the fluffy areas I think in the Mensch run because they they jump between one or the other. Or Marlene calls Mark when she's angry at him, you schizo, you, you know that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, <laughs> which. You know, it doesn't go too well by today's standards, but um, I think this whole thing about actually one of the loonies mentioned in in our group, they did ask um, genuinely when, and maybe you can answer it, Andrew. When was the DID introduced in in, um, in Moon Knight? I'm trying to think because it's it's heavily in the Houston run, especially around sort of yeah. Civil War, around those sorts of times. They talk about it a lot there. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably yeah. the, the first time they actually really talked about it. I mean, I'm sure it's it, – they always called it split personality back in the, you know, in the, these runs and the Fist of Conchu one. But we, as we got to learn with psychology, that that's not actually a thing. It's more the disassociative identity disorder. And I think it's more when they gave yeah. it a name was around the, the Houston run, when you hit me yeah. sort of around there. Well, yeah, spot on. I mean, that's that's where I placed it as well. Um, we were kind of talking about it in the group as to when, um, but yeah, th- there were certain implications. But I think the actual DID, the terminology was used in the Houston run first and mm. foremost, uh, which is amazing. You think about it. Two thousand and six was the yeah, first wow. time that Moon Knight had this thing. But he's ne- he's known now for this for being a superhero with this with this uh, condition. Yeah. Um, and it's not until we're well into the 2000s that that's really kind of fleshed out. 
Um, so, yeah, uh, interesting to see it back in the day here in 1982. Um, one of the other funny things here, I've just got, I'm looking through the issue, was when Zilko tries to get away from Moon Knight and goes into the cab, which Mark has yeah. strategically put out the front, and Mark and Moon Knight is, is driving the cab. Yeah, <laughs> perfect. Uh, <laughs> uh, perfect. I don't know how he got there before Zilko. Um, but he managed to sneak in uh, and into the driver's seat. I thought that was, it's any any time you see a superhero behind the wheel, it just looks funny because they're in costume. <laughs> it does. <but>. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I guess there's unless there's anything further to to add, Andrew. I mean, we could wrap no. that one up. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think it's just like we said. It's it's very it's a hard act to follow when you follow the the, the first story, but. You know, anywhere else, I think this would be a fine story. I think it's just because of where it's placed, it just suffers from that, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. And, and just to cap this off, um, one of, I think, my probably favourite panel of this whole issue, it is on the second last page. It's when Commodore Planet has Moon Knight in kind of like a headlock and he says, yep. uh, I, I can crush your skull like an eggshell. Um, just, I, I, I don't know, I just love the inking. Um, from mm. it. it just it's so much depth to it so again um, bring back Commodore Planet maybe we'll see Commodore Planet in the Disney Plus series Andrew what do you think <laughs> fantastic <laughs> and then he can fight Captain Planet it's going to work out really well <laughs> <laughs> absolutely absolutely um, well there you go loonies that pretty much wraps up our discussion our Lunapic review and I'm sorry I forgot to mention that um, and Andrew you asked before we, we decided to jump into this issue, uh, if it had been done before. Um, it hadn't officially been done. I always thought that we had done it, um, mm. but we had actually covered it on an Isle of Ra back in episode 105. So this issue was actually Noel Tate's, one of his Desert Island books. Um, ah. So um, one of the four books you take to the Desert Island, if you know, out of all the comics in your whole collection that you could ever take... This was one of them. So yeah, we, we kind of briefly talked about it then, but you can you can find out more about it, more thoughts on it in episode one hundred and five. But um, yeah, but thank you so much, Andrew, for for covering uh, this issue and no Cappy worries Killer. at all. <laughs> um, before we go, of course, uh, now unfortunately, I hadn't posted up a discussion thread in time to. Um, to discuss this, uh, but we did get some feedback. I just wanted to go through it. I forgot to mention it in our idle chat. Uh, there, would you happen to have the prompt sheet handy as well, Andrew? Yep. Maybe we can divvy this up. Uh, so this is mainly on. Oh, actually, oh, geez, Andrew, maybe you haven't read issue seven yet. So may, maybe Ooh. we'll just skip that. Don't read. Don't read any of it. Don't okay. Read any not reading anything. anything. All right. Well, okay. <laughs> for, for Andrew's sake, sorry, loonies. We're gonna we'll hold it off till <laughs> till uh, another episode because I don't want Andrew to be spoiled. Um, hope you didn't read too much of it there, but um, let's leave it at that. <laughs> uh, we'll leave it there. Um, Andrew, thank you once again so much um for for joining us. Uh, is there anything that you'd like to to give a shout out or a plug to? I know that you had some things in the works last year. I'm not too sure. Are they still continuing on this year? Um, it's, it's been slow going, um, because of mm -hmm. everything being shut down and, you know, yep. things like that. So it's just sort of, it's, everything's sort of stalled at the moment, but we, I still have, um, and I think we talked about it last time, cul-de-sac. I still have my yep. copies of that floating Absolutely. around. So, um, we, it's available on, uh, Comixology for, I think it's three ninety nine on there. 
Um, I also have uh, print copies. If people are after a print copy, just hit me up on uh, on social media, um, on Twitter or Facebook or um, Instagram. I'm all, on all those. Um, but yeah, like we, we we're working on part two, but everything's just sort of things change, and you know the way the world's been and the way people's lives have changed. It's sort of I don't. I think it's just going to be a, a, a one-off, which is fine because, you know, mm-hmm. I love the yeah. book and I'm so proud of how it turned out. So, But I've, I've got yeah. some other things just sort of with other people in, in the works and I'm, you know, just sort of uh, just working on stuff very slowly at the moment, just trying to get back into a bit of rhythm with writing because it's been a while since I've actually sat down and done anything. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's something that I guess you've got to set some time aside for and it's you're right with all these distractions going on with the world. But, Looney listeners, I I urge you to uh, to check out Cul-de-sac as well. It is absolutely terrifying um, in in the best <laughs> sense of the, of the <laughs> word. Uh, it, it's a horror. I mean, understandably, it's horror based. Uh, it's set in um, well, you know, if you're unfamiliar with Australia, it's set in a really nice kind of like suburb suburban kind of setting. But mm. it just that adds just the creepiness of it all. Uh, absolutely worth it. Go check it out. Even if you can't reach out to Andrew, um, just uh, drop a line, let me know, and, and I'll try to get you kind of sorted. Uh, otherwise, as Andrew said, it, it's on Comixology. Um, definitely just just check it out. It, it's really cool. Um, hopefully, it's slow going, Andrew, but hopefully hopefully there'll be more. If not, I mean, it, it's, it's a great one-off as well. So it's an anthology too. So yeah. I, I'm yes. talking about anthologies. I love it. So um, yeah. yeah, so go check it out. Well, were you also... Apologies, like were you you were also on a horror podcast as well. Yeah, we did a um so during what was it, twenty twenty, I did a um I watched sixty one horror movies in from the start of September to the end of October. And we're talking to some and friends of mine. We decided to do in twenty twenty one we did thirty one days of horror. Um we did a podcast every day. So it's called our pod podcast of the damned. Or Pot of the Damned, um, which I did with uh, my good friends Dean and Emma, and we every day of the of the month we had a, an episode that came out, and um, we covered all sorts of horror, um, from my my love of B grade, very very B grade horror, to um, Emma and Dean uh, and Emma loving stuff like uh, Hereditary and uh, Midsummer, and Dean just sort of tagging along and picking stuff like uh, Teen Wolf that doesn't. Does not hold up as well as you think it would. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, I love that. Film. Yeah, oh, no, yeah, yeah. I was I was extremely disappointed about how well that how badly that had, didn't hold up. I was um yeah yeah but um yeah we had a blast with it and we we did an episode. It's it's one of those things that I think we've done it now and I don't think we'd do thirty one again because it was a lot of work. Um, and I'm sure you're well aware of how much work goes into making a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Oh, geez. If you could, I mean. It, probably an unfair question but if you could pick one from 31 that you, what would your crowning glory be uh what was the one well, that you enjoyed the most out of it my, my well my favorite um part of it all was that i introduced emma and dean to a movie called slumber party massacre 2 which you don't have to have seen <laughs> the first one to watch it but it's um yeah. it's it's your typical slasher movie but about three quarters of the way in the killer actually breaks into a song and dance number, and what? it it it's it's one of the weirdest movies. But I I've watched it probably three or four times now, and I have so much fun with it that it's and wow. it, it, the the episode 
I think it was sort of if I'd made them watch more movies like that after that, I think they would have kicked me off the show because it was they were just <laughs> baffled by how bad it was. <laughs> but that's oh, that's the sort no. of stuff I like. The weirder, the better. So, <laughs> it, was that was that American? Was that US? Yeah, yeah. It um, okay. Very mid mid eighties, I think. Um, okay. And they ended up making I think five or six of them, but two is oh wow is so much fun. If you go in with ridiculously low expectations, it's just silly fun that you could put on, have a few beers with mates and watch it, and you would get a real good laugh out of it. Did, did you um, did you cover some Aussie horror as well? Like, um, was it The Undead? Undead? I can't remember it. It's a, yeah, oh, it's a the, the Spearig Brothers film. Yeah, that one's really – I yeah. do like that one. The actual um, – the first two episodes we did, so we did – Two episodes of sort of like an introduction of well, why we love horror and you know talking about horror in our you know in our lives, um, but the first two proper themed episodes were about Aussie horror, and we talked about oh, stuff okay. like Picnic at Hanging Rock, um, Body Melt, which is this oh. really gross uh, B grade Australian horror movie. Um, yeah, we talked about a bunch of stuff like that. So it's we still we thought you know we're an Australian podcast. We thought we better start with the uh, the Aussie side of it, and then, yeah, and we just went from right. there and. We we covered a lot of the big stuff, but there's also stuff that we you know we tried to go a little bit more obscure too off the beaten track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I, there's one. Sorry, there's one um, horror thing. I think I saw one. I was really young. It kind of scarred me for a bit. Um, I don't know. It's it was called Frenchman's Farm. Did you ever watch okay. that? No. Okay. Well, I'm gonna oh, look it, it up just, now. I'm gonna want to know about it. <laughs> oh, I can't remember too much of it, but it was yeah, it just scared the hell out of me uh, as well. A uh, picnic at Hanging Rock is quite a sophisticated selection for horror, isn't it? I mean, that's a gothic yeah. kind of yeah, and it's one of those ones where I know it's a bit controversial for us because we were sort of bored by it. It's a really long and dragging <laughs> film, and it's um yeah, we we it was one of those picks where we sort of went afterwards like. Ooh, I don't even know how much of a horror movie that was. You know, it was it's yeah, but it's yeah. it's creepy in its own way. It does have creepy moments, but it mm-hmm. was just sort of uh, yeah, it just drags a lot. And we sort of, we we probably ripped into it a bit too much on the show. Unfortunately. Oh no. yeah, oh, it's been ages since I watched it, but yeah, it, it's one of meant to be one of the Aussie classics, right? I mean, it's beautifully yeah. shot and all that. And, yeah, yeah, it's um. So there you go, listeners. You you can one spectrum. Picnic at Hanging Rock, the other spectrum, Teen Wolf. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Andrew uh, covers it all with a. But no, no a, a huge thank you, Andrew. Um, links in the show notes. Those, those episodes are still up, right? I'm, I'm pretty keen actually yeah. to check them out. Okay. Yeah, we, we are still talking um, about doing more episodes, um, but probably more on like a monthly, once a month sort of basis. But we're, we're just sort of trying to find the okay. time at the moment. Because 31 was a yeah, lot. Like we, it took us the whole, almost the whole year. Or we started planning yeah. in sort of December the year before, and we'd get together when we could to record. So it just took. It was a lot of work um, that the other guys did most of it, while I just sort of turned up and talked. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, you bring in the flavour, so that's, uh, that's good. So, uh, so again, yeah, listeners, uh, check it all out in the show notes. It will all be there. And again, check out Cold Sack. Seriously, it's it's really good. Um, once again, a big thank you to our Patronis. Uh, you'll see them in the show notes as well, listed as co-producers and executive producers on the show. Um, they're, they're growing. So a huge thank you to Daniel, Drew, Justin, Derek, Kyle, Frank, 
Wayne, Jordan, Josh, James, Anthony, Russell, Michael, Mario, and Gavin. A huge thank you to each and every one of you. As I mentioned, uh, go check out patreon.com slash itkmoonlight. Not you guys, because you're already there, <laughs> but everyone else. <laughs> uh, if you want to pick out uh, some sort of incentives, bonus material, uh, the video of, of this episode, Andrew, and our Idle Chat will be released there as well. So uh, if you want to want to see Andrew's handsome face, and uh, my uh, my mug, go check it out. Um, also, a big thank you to our sponsors, CLZ Comics at collectors.com, comic base, comic database. It's, it's fantastic. They also do it for movies, uh, for music, for your music collections or book collections, any sort of collection uh, for a very small amount per month or year. It's really good. Uh, Fringe Night by Daniel Doing. If you check out his Patreon page, patreon.com slash Fringe Night 27, you can check out all his creator-owned superhero comics. That's an original indie comic based on Erie, Pennsylvania's very own Missouri superhero. Also with Drew Toombs, he's got some fantastic music. I've got to feature more of it on the show. Toombs on SoundCloud or Lurk Music on Bandcamp. So that is soundcloud.com slash Toombs with a Z and lurk music with a ck.bandcamp.com. And finally, Dreamland Comics. If you use the code MOON, you'll get 20% off their online store. Go get your back issues. Get issue 26. Have a read of Happy Killer. <laughs> <laughs> finally, we are part of <laughs> we are part of the collective. Uh, go check out all these great shows. Uh, I'm going to throw them out there. We are Venom Maniacs, a Venom podcast. Signal of Doom, a big congratulations. They've reached the 250th episode. A big uh, congrats there to you, Dave and Richard. Uh, but also Ghost Spider Groupies doing great work all about Spider Gwen. Uh, finally, you can contact us on email, feedback at itkmoonight. We've got a website now, itkmoonight.com, thanks to the Petrunis. Uh, we are also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, 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 YouTube, Discord, Get Vocal, and Podchaser. Incidentally, Review, if you can write a review on Podchaser or on Apple Podcasts, that would be really great. Or on Google Podcasts, I think you can do that. Or on Spotify, anywhere. That would really just help um, spread uh, the love for Moon Knight around. Hopefully others will get to see the show too. Uh, once again, Andrew, a huge thank you. Um, love to have you back on again. So, look, we had you on for the Moon Knight Shang-Chi uh, annual mm-hmm. special. That was cool. Yep. And now we had you for Hit It 26. So we're getting a good variety. I'd love to have you back for um, another issue if you're keen. I'll have to find something more obscure then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, until then, loony listeners, as always, may Conchu watch over the denizens of the night. Catch you later. and affiliated characters, stories and events are properties of Marvel Characters Incorporated. Materials used and discussed within the podcast are intended for critique and review purposes only under the fair dealing concept of the current Copyright Act. The views, information or opinions expressed during the podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of the copyright owners.